Can you be type A and embrace your more soulful woo side? Well, I say yes, because I'm doing it, or at least I'm trying to do it. And I'm going to go even further. And I'm going to tell you that embracing some of the personal and professional development tools I'm talking about and sharing today can change your whole life because they changed mine. I know that's dramatic. I know that's a big swing, but I think I can back it up. Today, I'm sharing five resources that I love for my personal and professional development, as well as my mindset and mental health. I think they might surprise you. So check them out today on the Rising Tide Talent Show. Rising Tide lifts all ships, it lifts all ships, it lifts all ships. recording this at the very beginning of 2023. But before I get into the bulk of what I'm going to be talking about, which is five tools, strategies, resources, things that I have been using over the last year that have really helped me deepen my understanding of myself. I want to also share that the big shift for me this year is that I am allowing myself to get away from the pressure of new year, new me. There is one particular tool resource guide that I'll share throughout the next few minutes, which will kind of deepen, I think, your understanding of how I have gotten there. But I am sharing this because whether you are listening to this in January of 2023 at the time that I am recording it, or you are catching this replay months down the road, there has always been this sense for me, especially because my career and my personal life have been really impacted by fitness and health. And so this idea that January 1 comes and all of the things that you thought you were going to do or thought you could do or hoped you would do in the previous 365 days, that you get a clean slate. And that is true. I am here to tell you that there is a lot of power in living in the present. And I understand how woo that sounds. But I am an Enneagram one. I am a type A. I am somebody who is data-driven. I never really considered myself a super spiritual woo kind of soul-focused person until I broke. And if you're new to me or new to my story, first of all, thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Katie Widrick. I am the founder of Make Media Over, which is a fractional CMO and CRO based service where I work with high growth founders on marketing and revenue expansion. I love what I do. I'm passionate about a, about what I do. And I'm really good at what I do because I am super detail oriented. However, that consistent belief, a self-perpetuated belief that that was my highest value to myself, to my community, to my coworkers, whatever, to my clients, that did not serve me well throughout 2021. So like so many people in the wake of the pandemic, 
really surviving 2020. And I don't use that word flippantly. I know what a terrible, terrible time 2020 was for the world. And, and so I don't use the word surviving or survival to, to be again, flippant or dismissive at all. But I did survive, but I didn't thrive through the pandemic. And then 2021 for me personally sort of felt like the effect really hit me then. So 2020 for me career-wise was about leaning in and going hard. And like everybody else in the world, um, I had to pivot and I had to transition. And um, it unlocked some incredible opportunities for me that I acknowledge deeply, publicly, privately, uh, really changed me for the better. They allowed me to lean into leadership, to have uh, opportunities to network and to learn and to grow and to work with uh, a team and teams of people who truly, you know, I describe that period of my life like an accelerated MBA, except I was doing it on the job instead of being in a classroom and hitting the traditional books. Um, But all of that is to say that 2020 was wild. 2021, I really started to suffer early symptoms of burnout. And by the end of 2021, like my life was a mess. I've talked about this at length on previous podcast episodes and all over my social media. So if you're hearing this and you're like, huh, she's talking about this, this, this feeling, this like heaviness, this pain, this sense of constantly being in fight or flight, like all of these things that I experienced. If you're feeling that now, I want you to continue to listen to what I'm about to share because I wish I had had all of these resources when I was really deep in the thick of it. But if you aren't yet ready to try some of these and you're like, hey, this is an acute problem that I'm having, I want to just let you know you are certainly not alone and burnout is real. Don't let people try to make you feel otherwise or to feel that you are weak or that you um, you know, are less than. Um, I'm a really strong person and I crashed. Burnout really, really tried to break me. And again, if that's you, I always want to just hit the pause button whenever I'm talking about like wellness tools and productivity tools. And to say there was a time in my life when the burnout was so severe that I had to really address that acutely. Um, and one of the tools, spoiler alert, that I'll talk about here that really helped me understand myself in a more important and powerful way was therapy. And that is the number one thing that helped me resolve my experience of burnout. So if that's you and that's something that you are exploring or considering and you want to talk to me about it, please do. I'm really an open book about my therapy experience and also about what worked for me and and what I wish I had done differently throughout my burnout journey. Uh, And so I just want to encourage you to have that conversation with me. Okay. So why did I share all of that? It's to tell you that um, I have explored basically every possible tool that I could think of or that I was, you know, received or that was recommended to me. Um, because I know in my gut that the gifts that I have that make me really good at my work, whether it's in marketing or leadership or whatever it is, that attention to detail and that commitment to like getting everything right, perfectionist tendencies for sure. Um, all of those things made it make it. Let me just use this in active, in active tense because the, the things that made it difficult for me and that led me to burnout 
they don't go away. I just now have much better coping skills. And I am so proud of the journey that I've been on. And I feel compelled to share more about that. Because again, if somebody had said to me in the thick of my pain and the thick of my burnout, hey, there's this thing, maybe you want to check it out. Maybe you want to learn about it. It might help not even resolve it, but just give you a new strategy. I think I would have jumped at it. And so let's dive into the things that have really worked for me over, let's say, the last year, year and a half. Um, some of them, by the way, I had heard of or I had known about, um, but I really dove into more deeply in this last 18 months. And so that's why they've made the list. So number one, I know that this may be a little bit woo. If you are watching on video, you're going to see me hold up a couple of things. If you're listening on audio, I will describe them to you. I have really fallen into and fallen in love with free writing and being more, (laughs) these are going to sound like they're conflicting ideas, more intentional with my manifestation practice. So, as somebody who never, I, I am not religious. Um, I have not been particularly spiritual in my life, but I will say that I was all, I always, I feel, uh, driven by there's something in my soul. And so I've heard the word, you know, your, your divine gifts, um, which I think is beautiful. That doesn't resonate with me personally because again, I don't, have a religious background. Um, I, I'm not necessarily a person of religious faith, but I am a faithful person. Uh, hopefully that, that makes sense and, and maybe even resonates with you. Um, I also have a very, very deep respect for people who are faith, uh, driven by their faith in, in a more concrete religion, uh, religious sense. So again, this idea of sort of divine gifts doesn't necessarily feel like it resonates with me, uh, because it is too close to divinity, but there is something I feel, uh, that we are born with in our souls. And, um, when I have tried too hard to kind of let my brain take over my soul and my heart and my gut feelings, I have suffered. And so when I really said to myself, like, Hey, I don't know that leaning into this more woo manifesty abundance mindset side, I don't know if that's going to work, but it's definitely not going to hurt. When I allowed myself to start free writing and to start really not just saying like, oh, I want to make money. Oh, I want to be healthy, but really being specific and asking the universe uh, and kind of putting out the energy that I wanted to come back to me when I started doing that and just was like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to trust. I'm going to take a leap and just believe that this is going to help me. It sure did. So my first foray into it, um, it was, and this is probably my most consistent practice. Um, this is just a journal that I use and I practice free writing. So if this is something you're interested in, uh, there are many, many smarter people and better resources when it comes to free writing and manifestation than I am, but I will be happy to share the things and the people that I have turned to um, in, in the hopes that they inspire you. But the concept of free writing really is just that, I mean, I'm looking at these pages, I'm flipping through the pages that I have written over, I mean, just the last few weeks and months, and I don't read them back. 
Um, these are the, the concept of free writing and the way that I interpret the concept of free writing and the way that it has worked for me is to literally just write. This is not something like my handwriting is so messy. I don't know that I could read it back if I wanted to. There are doodles. Um, I don't like scratch things out or erase them. I just keep going. It's there's, I am a grammar slammer and there's basically no punctuation in my free writing. It is totally like, this is what I feel. This is what I want. This is what I need. This is what I feel like I deserve. And, um, and really saying things like, um, you know, I am the luckiest person and good things happen to me and I deserve good things and good things don't have to be so hard. Those are not things that are natural for me to say. They're just not. And so forcing myself, guiding myself through this process of really like speaking what I want to happen and how I want to feel and writing it out with no intention. Like this is never getting published. Nobody else will see it. Again, I don't go back and I re- and read any of this. I sometimes give myself a prompt. I sometimes just write what I'm feeling and then I move on. Doing that as frequently as possible has helped me so, so much. My goal is always to do free writing three to four times a week. I think if I were to do it daily, that would probably be even better and more powerful for me. But again, this is about progress, not perfection. And when I am called to free write, I always have this, like I have this or any journal just nearby and I just write it out. Sometimes it's half a page. Sometimes it's, oh my gosh. I mean, there's a section in here that I remember it. You can tell, well, I can tell the pen color is all the same and it's, it's probably seven pages. That's just what was on my heart and, and in my head that day. The other thing that I have done, this one, uh, this journal that I'm holding up, if you happen to be watching the video, is um, Gabby Bernstein. And again, there are lots of people that do beautiful guided manifestations and talk a lot about kind of soul work um, and energetic work and that type of thing. Um, Gabby is somebody who I feel kind of aligned to and drawn to. Um, but there are some really, really great resources, even on YouTube, you know, free meditations and guided sessions. Um, and this is really just, uh, I would say like, at least the experience that I've gone through this particular journal is a 21 day manifestation, uh, challenge. Um, but again, the idea is just that you sort of use prompts and you use affirmations and you, you switch the way that you speak about your goals and yourself and what you want to do and how you want to feel. And in the way that it works best for me is to make it more kind of present tense. Um, I feel great in my body. My body is absolutely beautiful and I'm so proud of it. Now, do I feel that way? Like even right this second, every day of my life? Absolutely not. But in the past, when I have let those intrusive thoughts and this really negative talk uh, thoughts um, not only happen in my brain, but when I've articulated them out loud, I have suffered. Like I have, I have believed that that is the truth. And it is, it is true. All of these cliches and these, these things that you hear, these mantras, it's like, you know, speak the way that you want to feel. Like if you say it, you will feel it. That has certainly been my experience, but that again does not come naturally to me. I am, I feel though as though I am often in conflict with my sort of detail oriented, you know, type A brain and letting the universe hold my deepest, darkest, you know, wishes and dreams. Um, but there's no downside, like waking up and making a point of looking in the mirror or looking in a camera or saying to a friend or free writing, like I am the luckiest person in the world. I deserve good things. 
money flows to me. Good experiences flow to me. My family is happy and healthy. I am going to get that raise that I believe I deserve. I am going to get that new house that will better serve my family. I am going to attract money because money is is an energy. It is a tool. And when it I attract it, when it flows to me, I trust myself to put it back into my community and into my resources and into the causes that I believe in. I trust myself to do that. And so when I shifted everything and I was like, I'm just going to speak it in present tense and it's going to happen. Guess what? It happens. Now, if you are again watching this and you're rolling your eyes and you're like, that is so woo. I hear you. And if that feels like a bridge too far for you, go to a yoga class. Like find the hybrid. Yoga was a very early uh, entry for me into quieting the noise in my brain and just saying like, this is how I'm feeling. This is how my body feels. This is how my brain feels. This is what I want. I am grounded. I am this. Like sound baths, all of those things have really been impactful for me. So free writing and manifestation. There are two other concepts here that are um, similar enough that I'm going to kind of talk about them at the same time, but are certainly different. Um, so before you come for me, the two tools, the two guides that I'm talking about are the Enneagram and human design. Again, they are separate concepts. You get to your particular results or, you know, your Enneagram type or your human design type. You get to them in, in different ways. Um, and they are perhaps both useful to you. Perhaps one is more useful than the other. I would say for me personally, the Enneagram, I felt very, very centered in the Enneagram for years. Like if someone is watching this, they're like, yeah, that's what we, that's what we know about Katie. She is an Enneagram one. She talks about it all the time. No, understanding that be being a one wing two in Enneagram speak, um, that changed my life. It was such a beautiful and important entryway into understanding, oh, like, okay, Enneagram ones are this, this, and this. Like their gifts are typically this. Their challenges are this. When they are in a healthy space, they are more like this. And here are the things that they do when they're healthy. When they are unhealthy, when they're under stress, here are the things that they typically do. It, for me, felt me, it made me feel so seen and so unbroken. <laughs> and, um, and that, truly, truly helped and and helps me to this day. Uh, so again, if you are familiar with the Enneagram, then you know that there are nine types. And again, so much complexity beyond that. I'm, I'm definitely oversimplifying for the purposes of this quick chat about these tools and resources that I'm using. But the Enneagram was, is a really important piece of it. Enneagram like the the origins of it are also uh kind of rooted in the Christian faith and so I um want to honor that there's there's just a lot of complexity to this and again as somebody who is secular who is not religious I find a lot of value and help in um in the information that the enneagram law unlocked for me but it's also um it's somehow complex and simple. 
Right. And so again, I think that the Enneagram, I could have used that for the rest of my life and we'll always kind of lean on it, I think. Um, but it does not necessarily go as deep as this other tool, this other resources, this other resource that I've really started to get into, which is human design. So human design is very specifically based on your birth chart. And I'm, um, again, for those of you who are listening on audio, this won't matter. Um, for those of you who are watching on video and wondering why I'm pulling up my phone, it's because I'm, I'm actually looking at my chart. So to get to your human design chart, you can use, um, there are a number of tools and, and I'm happy to share which ones I use. Um, there are also just some, some great resources to read about. And I really encourage you to understand kind of the, the background and the foundation of any of these uh, tools or systems, uh, because I think it's really important that you have all that information before you start relying on what it says about you. But my, you, you for, to get to your chart, you put in your birthday, uh, you know, uh, month, day, year, as well as your birth time. That's incredibly important. And the city in which you were born or, um, and it goes, you know, obviously all the way through the country. And once you have done that, uh, you get this treasure trove of information. And I want to be honest with you, as of recording this, like I am just scratching the surface of human design. I am much newer to this practice than Enneagram, where I feel like kind of an expert in the Enneagram, but it's because I have used it for for so long. Human design is much newer to me. But uh similar to the Enneagram, you get some kind of foundational like personas or avatars or archetypes that you that you can learn about. So your energy type, I'm a generator, your authority, mine is emotional intuition, your profile. This one particularly feels to me like an alignment with Enneagram. Um, I happen to be a five-one, which is a challenge solver. The five is the liberator. You have a save the day energy about you. You love to help people. Um, all, you try to fix things because you want to make everything happy. Yes, that's an Enneagram one. You want to be reliable. You want to fix things and you want things to be right. Also, the one is the knowledge seeker. As an investigator, you seek out facts and information because understanding things, knowing about things and being armed with the facts is what makes you feel safe. Woo, that hits me so hard. And there are so many other things um, that I won't dive into here. Um, but if that has, you know, piqued your curiosity at all, I encourage you to look at human design. You learn a lot more about your gifts, um, how you feel and like the archetype that you have when you are out of alignment. And again, for me, it, going back to the Enneagram and human design, I have always found that it's validating to understand like where I am when I'm healthy. Like what are the typical things that a Enneagram one or a five one in human design would do, would feel, would say, how would they operate? But I actually find that it's more helpful for me to understand, oh, when I'm saying these things, or when I'm feeling these things, or when I'm reactive in this way, it is actually a sign. It's not that you're just having a bad day or you're being kind of a brat. Like your body, your soul, your energy is telling you, hey, you do not feel safe. Whatever is happening to you, you're reacting in this way and it's coming out in a negative energy or you're saying things, you're snapping your, you know, whatever it is, like that is a sign that something is out of alignment. There is friction somewhere. And the reason that I share this and that I'm spending so much time on this is that that to me, almost more than the, the good parts, the gifts, the things that people love about X, Y, and Z. Understanding, wow, I just said that thing to that person. Like I responded in this way and 
everybody gets to have a bad day and gets a moment. And it doesn't mean that you can't be frustrated or set boundaries or hold people accountable for what they do. That's maturity, right? But when, when I know when I go to a place that's like snarky or rude, um, that's not good. And for me, again, like being able to understand that much earlier than like when I got to burnout, I just was not checking in with myself. I really wasn't. And, um, I've shared this before, but thankfully I think one of the the things that really helped me was that two people that I love and trust who I knew were like, they were going to be there for me no matter what, no matter how much I was melting down and being bratty and like acting out of character. And they both separately uh, kind of intervened and they were like, hey, like, we love you, but like, we just don't like you right now. And this is so out of character. And this is not just once, this is a pattern. And I'm worried that it is basically something bigger that like the fact that you are snapping so quickly and that you are on a razor edge temper and that you are snarky and combative, like all of these things, like that's not you. Um, and the intervention of that and kind of having other people see it maybe before I even did that, like, Hey, this is not just like, you shouldn't be punished for this. You should actually be helped. Um, having these, uh, ways to kind of immediately check in like, Oh, I'm feeling this. And so actually I think maybe this is going on and I need to address it. Having that earlier in the process has been incredibly helpful for me. Um, which leads me to number four, which is therapy. So these are not in any particular order. They're certainly not in like a weighted order. I would not say free writing was more impactful for me than therapy. If I were to rank them, therapy would probably be at the top. But having all of these things and then speaking with a mental health professional consistently and diving into all of the things that I was struggling with, the acute things, oh, this happened at work or this happened in my life or this happened with my relationship or this happened, whatever, in the in the world. And it's triggering me in this way, like having somebody to talk through what happened, what are you feeling? And then here's how you're going to get out of this stress response. Because ultimately for me, as somebody who also experiences a lot of anxiety always have. I've always kind of thought of that as like a little bit of a superpower. It's the thing that makes me so attentive to detailed and I'm not going to let bad things happen because I see them and I catch them and I fix them. Like all of those things made me unfortunately too vigilant and leaning too far into that. And again, therapy helped me see and articulate what I couldn't do on my own and more importantly, give me tools. And so this all for me kind of operates together like therapy, incredibly important. And, um, in, although for me, I was able to use cognitive behavior therapy and some other more advanced therapy treatments, um, like EMDR and some other things, they allowed me over the course of about a year and a half to do so much work on myself that I did not end up turning to medication. Um, but I would have. And so, uh, you, you know, again, all of this other stuff is so woo. I am not saying that, uh, the Enneagram or human design should, um, you know, take away from any other tool that helps you regulate your feelings and your system and, and the, the brain chemicals that we go through, like your brain chemistry is so, is so wild to me. And again, understanding like all this stuff, things that happened in childhood, things that happened in my career, things that uh, all of these things, like they're all, they all made me who I am. And it also informed how I respond to things. And 
I don't necessarily need to change that. EMDR in therapy was particularly helpful because it was like, let's not, like we can't fix what happened in the past. We're not going to rewrite history. We're not going to erase this trauma or this thing that happened, but we are going to make it so that you're less triggered when it comes back up or when you experience something that takes you back there. That was especially helpful and coupled with, oh, also I'm being kind of bratty today. That feels to me like I'm in an unhealthy space. And I know that when an Enneagram one is unhealthy, she typically will do this. I know that when an investigator is unhealthy, she might start to do this. So all of these things work together in concert. And um, I, by the way, was really lucky (laughs) that I had a therapist who really was open to all of this and was not like, there is one way, you know, she really embraced like, Hey, if this tool is making you feel like you have a better response, like I'm all in. And so, um, I just like, I love how beautifully this toolkit has all come together. So, um, those are the four, I would say things that are a little bit more kind of woo, um, and soul based. The last thing that has been so helpful for me is the predictable success model, the predictable success leadership style model in particular. Um, I do want to just say quickly for the record, my history of predictable success is fascinating and maybe only to me, but it is, um, I currently have the tremendous privilege of doing the marketing for predictable success and working very closely with the founder, Les McEwen, who has not only become my boss, you know, my CEO client, but a real trusted mentor and friend and colleague of mine. But the reason I'm sharing all of that is because uh, I actually was introduced to predictable success when I was working in a previous role. And so like a lot of people who under, who come to learn about the predictable success model, I was on the job we all wanted to understand better how we worked together, how we worked independently, like what were our individual leadership styles and gifts and challenges and weaknesses, but then ultimately how could we better interact together? And so I was able to kind of become immersed in the predictable success leadership style model on the job because everybody on our leadership team uh, took the assessment and found out that we were either a visionary, an operator, a processor, a synergist, or a mix. Um, so again, I come back to, I guess I really feel like I love an archetype. <laughs> I love knowing that I am a processor. I love knowing that I'm an Enneagram one. I love knowing that I'm a generator. Uh, this is all really helpful to me. Th- these, um, I don't want to say labels, um, but these like core avatars that I can come back to and say like, oh gosh, I identify so quickly with that. And it makes me feel so much less alone and gives me these new strategies. Predictable success in terms of my professional life, as well as my personal, because the two can't be separated, but especially in terms of my professional life has been the most impactful thing for me. So this is a free assessment that you can take. And again, I Somehow, maybe it was because I manifested this. Let's bring all of these together. I remember saying to the universe, I want to move into a space of my career where I feel this, this, and this, where I am empowered to do this, this, and this, where I do not do this, that, or that. And uh, the opportunity to work with and for predictable success uh, came at the perfect time. 
I was transitioning from that job. I was going through this burnout experience that I've referred to. I wasn't totally sure what was going to be next or what was going to be right. And because I had already been so immersed in predictable success, this was another thing like the Enneagram. Like I would talk to people about nonstop. Like, oh, what are you? Oh, you don't know? You need to take this quiz. Uh, I love working with visionaries, but I'm a processor. I love working with operators, but sometimes I'm in conflict in this way. <laughs> um, And so- Now that I'm able to help kind of spread the word about this tool, it somehow truly feels like I'm sure in one of my free writing journals, I must have made this happen. I must have made it happen. I just feel too lucky otherwise. But predictable success, as I mentioned, is a free styles assessment. Now there's, there's much more to the predictable success model. Les McEwen has founded like 40 something, um, for-profit and nonprofit ventures. He has worked with some of the biggest names in business and in uh, philanthropy and in, uh, you know, you name it. Like, I'm not even, gonna, I'm not going to name drop for him, but you can come check out our website and learn more about Les. Um, and, and he talks quite a bit about uh, business growth, right? Like understanding how to predictably scale and grow your business so that you have this not only sustainable, you know, repeatable kind of systems and revenue coming in, but that you are able to build your team and build your business in a way that feels whew, like centered. And not easy, but where it's supposed to be, that you're not working too hard over here, that you're not working too hard over here. Um, but predictable success styles and the leadership styles um, will really, I think, unlock something for you. Um, because again, it helped me understand that I'm not a big picture dreamer. Now, if I need to, like, I love being creative. If I needed to come up with a new concept, whether it's a marketing campaign or a new product to launch, could I do it? Absolutely. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. So uh, I'm happy to do that. But it's not what I am best at. What I'm really, really, really freaking good at is being alongside that visionary and kind of letting them dream big and having them say, well, what if we did this? What if we launched this product? What if we tried this marketing campaign? What if we did X, Y, and Z? And like X, Y, and Z can be anything. Just... Like anything, how can we change the world today? My favorite thing to do is to watch that visionary in action because I know that visionaries typically are not going to be great implementers and executors. Their their impact on the world, when they are in their zone, when they're allowed to really thrive, their impact is best when they are staying in that big dreaming space, like making the big decisions and thinking about what is this next thing that's going to change the world. That's not me, but what I'm really good at is taking their big vision and saying, okay, there are 50 steps between here and here, and here are the five things that are going to go wrong. Here are the people that need to know about it. Here's what we need to consider. Here We need to reverse engineer all of this. Like That is what I am really, really good at. And I understanding that as a processor, I am best when I'm working with that visionary instead of trying to be the visionary was such a beautiful gift because I had been telling myself this story and I know that other entrepreneurs feel this way because I've talked with you about this and I have heard what you have to say. There is this tendency to feel like the only way to be successful in your career or in your life or in business is to be that big thinker, right? Like they're the ones that are put on the pedestal and they're the ones whose names you know. Do you know who Steve Jobs, like, you know, chief of staff was or head of marketing was? Probably not. 
do you know, you know, who, uh, I don't know, pick any celebrity, pick any, you know, big person that, that's changed the game. Um, do you know, like who their staff is? Probably not, but there's no way that these big names could execute the way that they have and have the impact that they have if they didn't have the team of people doing. Well, I want to be the number one person doing. And I really struggled with my place in business and in leadership until I unlocked that with predictable success. And being able to understand as a processor, here are the things that I can do that a visionary can't and then an operator can't and that a synergist probably can't. I'm going to lean hard into the gifts that make me so valuable and make me special. But I'm also going to be aware of these things that could potentially be in conflict. Like here are things that maybe I shouldn't say to a visionary. Not that you can't say anything, but it's sometimes it's the way you articulate it or it's your timing or it's, you know, I don't, I have learned that for the most part, I don't bring visionaries all of the details and the problems. Like they don't want to know my A to Z plan. They just want to know, A, that I've got an A to Z plan and they need to trust me. There's huge, huge value in that. And that takes hard work, of course. And they need to know, like, here are the things that you need to be aware of. Here are the things that I've identified that could go wrong. Here are the opportunities. Here's what I need you to do. Here's what, here's how you can provide value. Um, but getting away from having, like, I don't need to be the alpha and I don't need to be the big dog and I don't need to be whatever. I need to be with that person. Everything changed for me when I figured that out. And again, none of these are set it and forget it. Like I didn't find out I was an Enneagram one and I was like, oh, I've got it. No, I spent a lot of time really leaning into it and thinking about this practice and investigating and and putting into practice what I learned. Same with, with the predictable success leadership model. Like I am constantly revisiting, oh my gosh, okay, where where did this project go wrong? Oh, I think it's that I didn't interact with the operator the way that I should have. I think it's that I didn't let our synergist come in and bind us all together. Now, all of this is like, I hear you. The predictable success styles quiz is for you to take. You get your results right away. Um, we send you a ton of information about yourself, your particular score, the mix of styles that maybe are uncovered by you. And more than that, what you need to know about these other styles and how, again, maybe you can help yourself and help your team and help your growth if you better understand who on your team is an operator and why they work, why they work the way you do. One of my favorite people to work with, uh, is an operator. She's one of my like work besties. I'm no longer full time in the role uh, where I worked with her every day, but we talk all the time and understanding that as an operator, she sees things and does things in a way that are different from me has been beautiful because I'm like, Oh, she's really good at this, this and this that I'm not great at. But then her weakness is where I can jump in. And like our friendship and our personal and professional growth, I think was very positively impacted by predictable success. So that is that is what I am using and that is what I'm loving in 2023. Free writing and manifestation, human design, much more uh, than in past years. Enneagram, absolutely. Although that one is taking a little bit more of a backseat right now to human design uh, therapy. Enough said, and then predictable success. So if there is anything that you would like to hear more about any of these things, whether it's my experience, resources that I find helpful, 
you want to push back on anything, um, please let me know. I love talking about this. You can leave a comment if you are watching this video. You can message me if you're listening to the audio. Feel free to email me. You can find my information at katie at makemediaover.com. Just send me an email. And um, I really appreciate wherever you are on your journey. Let's just close with saying that. Um, where I am today has been a journey for sure. I did not wake up on January 1st, 2023. And I was like, here are the five things that I know about myself and that I use. No, as I mentioned, my exploration of the Enneagram is years in the making. My exploration of predictable success, years in the making. I have now been in therapy for more than a year and, and using those tools. Um, free writing, human design, I'm newer to, but these are things that I'm actively learning about every day. Like I'm every single day I'm trying to figure out like, what else can I learn about this? And so don't feel like this toolkit that I've mentioned has to be your toolkit. But if there's one or two things, if there are one or two things that have come out of this, you're like, oh yeah, I need to check that out. That is such a beautiful thing. So be at peace with where you are. So much easier said than done. And certainly like a year and a half ago, if you had known me when I was at the peak of my burnout, like everything, everything in my body, every muscle was so tense. There was no way I could have said you be at peace with who you are. So manifestation, abundance, therapy, free rating, all of those things, they changed my whole personality and they changed my whole outlook. Um, but you are a beautiful, blessed person and you have everything you need to be happy and healthy and to be confident and to receive the gifts that I absolutely know that you deserve. It's just time for you to believe in that as well. Thank you so much for listening to the Rising Tide Talents show. For more, follow at Rising Tide Talents on Instagram and visit risingtidetalents.com. You'll find show notes, resources, and much more from today's episode. It's all at risingtidetalents.com slash podcast. I'm your host, Katie Widrick, and you can find me at kwidrick. Until next time, remember, a rising tide lifts all ships. Rising tide lifts all ships.